Hello, everyone. I'm Eli Tabot, and welcome to the Quick Sports Podcast. This is episode five, and today we will be talking about the NHL, college basketball, and missed field goals in the NFL. What's going on with those? So to start off, I want to talk about the NHL. To give you a little background on myself with the NHL, I'm a huge St. Louis Blues fan, and last year they won, and I got even more interested in the NHL because of that. And now I, I, it's sort of very interesting to me, and I think it's a very cool sport. So the NHL this year uh, it has been very similar to what it has been last year. No really big surprises so far. We're about a quarter of the way through the season. Somewhere around 20 of the 82 games have been played. And so the Blues are one of the top teams, as was expected. The Capitals, again, one of the top teams they won two years ago. And then the Bruins, who were in the Stanley Cup last year, are also one of the top teams. So the standings are very similar to what they were last year, and uh, this year it's looking the playoffs are looking to be around what the same as they were last year. I would like to tell a really cool story about the St. Louis Blues and what they did last year. For those of you who don't know, they were in dead last place among both conferences in the NHL, and they had the worst record, least amount of points, and they were looking just to hopefully get a good draft pick uh, for the next year so they could get some young talent on their team. They fired their head coach and replaced it with the interim coach, Craig Berube, and they took their goalie, Jake Allen, who was performing terribly at the time, placed him with a youngster named Jordan Bennington, who had never played in the NHL. He never played a single game, and his first start, it was a clean sheet. Uh, this, keep in mind, was in the middle of the season, about halfway through, and they were pushing for the playoffs. It was 40 games of the 82 that were played. They had were far below 500, and they were just hoping, as I nearly state, for a good draft pick. All of a sudden, they go on this 11-game winning streak. It's the longest in franchise history, and it's very much unheard of for, for any NHL team to do that, just because of how much... Uh, so I don't want to say luck the game takes, but... It, more or less, it takes a good amount of luck to do an 11-game winning streak like that. They were, were unstoppable. They became a, a middle-tier team, but then they kept winning. They lost three games of their final... F- they were 31-3. and three. They lost outright three games, and if you don't know how hockey word works, uh, you get points for the games you lose in overtime or in shootouts, which happened a decent amount. So they lost about seven in overtime, and they got a point or two there, and then uh, they just got a bunch of points for their wins. Lo and behold, the Blues make the playoffs. Uh, Surprising everybody, they're the hottest team in the NHL. They have the best rookie goalkeeper, one of the best goalkeepers in the league at the time, and they have this really good team led by Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, Alexander Steen, and other great players like that. So they go into their first series against the Winnipeg Jets, uh, they come out on top 4-2 to two in the series, and then they look to go to the next series against the Dallas Stars. This series, they're the home team because they were better than the Stars were. The, the game goes to seven, uh, Game 7, and Game 7, it's tied. The Stars goalie played outstanding. He had more than 50 saves. The goalie seemed practically unstoppable. He saved everything that came his way. Every shot, everything went off the post, went up. He hit it away. He, nothing could get by him. It comes first over time. Blues outplay the Stars again. They're, they're outplaying the Stars this whole game. And you're watching and you're like, okay, the, the Blues should really take this soon, but they just don't. Second overtime comes around, and this is when the Blues start showing signs of weakness. They're getting outplayed. They give up a power play. They're just not playing okay. 
at all. And they finally get a puck, and they get a face-off where it's needed. Puck goes up. They score the game-winning goal, and they move on to the next series. In this series, they play the San Jose Sharks. They come out on top in seven games, no, six games, and then they go on to the Stanley Cup against this Boston Bruins team who is insane. Great series back and forth. Blues and Bruins go to Game 7. Jordan Bennington, best goalie game, even better than the Game 7, uh, in which the Stars goalie played amazing. He saved everything, literally everything, until the end of the game where one shot gets past him. Blues end up winning 4-1, to one, and then they win the Stanley Cup. Great story. No team had ever gone from being last at halfway through the year to winning the Stanley Cup before them, and it's probably one of the greatest stories in sports that there is. So transitioning to other great stories and, and stories that happen every year that, that everyone adores is college basketball. College basketball and March Madness are the two forces that wreak havoc throughout the sports world. Every year you have an 11 seed that just goes really far in March Madness. You have one seeds getting upset left and right. It happens every year. It's so interesting to watch, and it's so interesting to see how the rankings evolve. It's College football does nothing like that. It's always someone goes undefeated and stuff like that. College basketball, rarely, if ever, does someone go undefeated, and it's always just amazing to see stuff like that happen. So this year, there have been three number one seed upsets. Uh, Michigan State came into the year number one. They were projected to win their first game. They lose. Although it was to a ranked team in Kentucky, it was still sort of an upset to, in most people's eyes. Then Duke and Kentucky, both who have the number one ranking, lose. Kentucky loses by three to Evansville, and then Duke comes out, and then they lose to Stephen F. Austin from Texas in a thriller of a game that ended just on a layup. Wonderful stuff. I hope this uh, upset sort of mentality continues through to the tournament, as I know it will. But all of this is just so, such cool to see, and um, I'm really excited for March Madness now because of it. You know, the brackets are just going to be so busted at the end of the day, and all of this just really brings up excitement in me as a sports fan. Current top 25 rankings and the implications they have for the March Madness brackets and, and the rankings that it will that will happen in the tournament. So for those of you who don't know, March Madness is a giant college basketball tournament that takes some of the best schools from around the country and they play for the national championship. Usually the top 25 teams to the tournament, they're ranked one through 16 seeds and they just play out in a normal bracket style way. One phase 16, two phase 15, so on, so on, so on. So what happens is actually the number one overall team gets the easiest game and right now, Duke is number one, but the standings haven't updated. As I mentioned earlier, they got upset, so they're obviously going to drop a few places. But Louisville, a surprising number two currently, because of the fact that they had this huge scandal a few years back, which cost them tournament opportunities, it cost them scouting and coaching and stuff like that. But Louisville is undefeated right now. And then in the number three is Michigan State, who, as I pre mentioned previously, was uh, number one overall. Uh, preseason this year. Michigan State, I think, will be the number one overall team. They are very good. They have not lost any talent that they had last year in March Madness, where they went far, and they were very much an unstoppable force at some times. In some games, you'd see, and you'd be like, these guys really should go all the way. Sadly, they didn't, but they're a really good team. They have players like Cassius Winston, and then they have their great coach, and, and leads them deep into these tournaments. 
However, right now, there are a few surprises with the current rankings, one being Maryland's ranking. Maryland is very much a sixth seed in, in the tournament. They get in almost every year, but they're never this great team. Right now, they're on the AP Top 25. They're the number five team in the country, and then on another list, they're the number eight team in the country. Maryland is seemingly a very good team this year and they're retaining a lot of their good players that they had last year in which they went a few rounds deep in the tournament and it was expected that they weren't going to go but they had good guards they had good uh, centers and and other players uh, on the court other teams like Arizona U of A they have a very good team especially with Nico Mannion who is their freshman guard who was probably the best player who was the best player in the country to last year in high school and now he's leading this team to some great wins. You have teams like Utah State, who are surprisingly up there. They're in the top 15 teams in the country. You don't see that because they lost the, their best two players last year. You just have, you see these really good teams, and you don't know where they're coming from, but that's the whole thing with college basketball. It's fun to watch because teams appear, and then maybe they fall out, but then they come back again. And, and I'm just excited because these rankings show the implications you have. You have these unheard of teams that are going to come in and go into the tournament and hopefully go far, and you're going to see them play teams. Utah State's hopefully going to play Kansas or Virginia, and, and it would be cool to see an upset somewhere around there. And then you have these unheard of teams, like a few years ago when the 16-seed UMBC beat Virginia. That was really cool. Why? Because it's never happened before, but it's a team you haven't heard of beating this huge powerhouse uh, school. It's like if the Cleveland Browns beat the New England Patriots, it'd just be so insane. The final segment will be about field goal kicking right now in the NFL. A lot of kickers seem to be missing extra points and field goals that they should be making. You see kickers like Brett Maher, the, the Dallas Cowboys kicker, miss two on Thanksgiving. Field goals that he usually makes, a 33-yarder and a, somewhere around a 40-yarder field goal that you see him make almost every single time, and he's one of the more consistent kickers in the NFL. The Cowboys immediately go out and looking for new kickers. Why? Because their kicker has the yips. You see Aldrich Rosas, the Giants kicker. He's missing field goals left and right. He had a streak of missing a field goal in five straight games. Right? He was a pro bowler last year. It's it's a weird thing that's happening this year. I think uh, from what most of the games I've seen, there have been at least a few missed kicks per game, and it's weird given the consistency in kickers the past few years, such as Justin Tucker, who has been amazing. He's had seasons where he's been perfect kicking the past few years. He hasn't missed an extra point in the past four years. He missed two this year already. It's it's stuff like this that you don't understand why it's happening. Personally, I don't think there's a change uh, in ball or snapping-wise. Sure, there could just be a greater amount of missed snaps, just bad holds, stuff like that, but it's still just a little odd for it to be happening all throughout the league. I just think that a kicker is going to miss one, and then he gets the yips in that game, and then maybe later on he misses one, he gets in his head, he misses more and more and more. And I think it's happening to more kickers because I think they're just getting more in their head in these important situations when, in fact, they should just go back to the basics and, and kick. I think this is a very interesting thing that's going on right now. So many people are missing kicks. In Thanksgiving, every team had a kicker miss a field goal except for the New Orleans Saints. So I want to bring up or propose a theory that others may have thought of at this this point. In the MLB, there's a sort of a an idea that the MLB has changed the baseballs and made them more juiced so more home runs are hit in order probably to draw a larger fan base. In the NFL, maybe they have changed something with the balls, how, how like the shape of them a little bit so it's a little harder to kick them, or 
stuff like that, the inflation of them or other factors that may cause kickers to mishit them or miskick them. This would be very interesting to see because now we have two major leagues in the United States that could change their main device for play in order to draw a greater fan base or draw more attention to their leagues because of the fact that there's either less stuff happening or more of that. And I think that people don't want to see field goals. And if a kicker misses a long field goal, the other team gets good field position, sets them up to maybe uh, get a touchdown. So the NFL could have done this in order to have more touchdowns, produce greater viewers, and stuff like that. Similar to the MLB, hopefully hitting more home runs, we'll get more viewers, get younger people interested in the game. I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see whether this is true based on next year. But right now, it sort of seems true, unless these really good kickers that have been consistent all their careers have, have just made mistakes. I mean, what's the other explanation? Adam Vinatieri, a Hall of Fame kicker, probably the best kicker ever to play the game, starts missing field goals. His team starts thinking about cutting him. He's been in the game for 20 years, and he's been so good and so consistent that this year he just decides to fall off a little bit. Justin Tucker, a little unprecedented, but he's still good this year. But he's missed more than he usually has. Aldrich Rosas goes from making all but one kick last year to missing five straight games worth of it, missing extra points left and right. You see, these kickers were so just good and, and, and consistent and trustworthy by their teams that all of a sudden for them to fall off just seems a little odd. So if anyone has any theories, please contact me. I'm going to make uh, an Instagram account for the podcast at Quick Sports Podcast, and you can DM me with your theories about what you think could be happening with the NFL kicking scandal, we'll call it, uh, with kickers missing kicks left and right here. So thank you guys for listening. This is the Quick Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Tabo. See you next time.